Welcome. Welcome, guys. I am Baron Baptiste. I'm here with my good friend, David Masters. We are here disrupting the drift, here bringing some truth, reality, love, perspective, uh, as a way of accessing new possibility, a new way of living life that is in truth and light and fulfilling to what you want for yourself. David, welcome. Always good to be here with you, my friend. My friend, my brother. And uh, it's great to be here. I've missed being on the show with you, and I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. How's it going? How's life? It's going fantastically. Really good. Things are good? Things are great. You find yourself... Uh, I'm not talking about my kids. I'm just talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things are good. You've been... Um, what's happening? Uh, you know, I'm just... I'm writing my second book called The Present, and, uh, and I'm pretty much done with it, but... Um, so yes, I'm I'm getting a lot of attention for my first book, which is How to Escape the Prison for Your Mind. I've been on some major uh, media, yeah, and uh, it, it's going very well. And so yeah, you know, this to me though is this is my this is my happy place right here. This is where mm -hmm. I get to shine and be the person uh, that most people never get to see. Yeah, yeah. Is this the true you? This is the true is... me. This is the deeper me. Yeah. 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 I remember, you know, when I would uh, teach programs, trainings, classes, um, workshops, courses, seminars, yada, yada, I'd be at the front of the room. And then people would say, well, is this like, is this, where's the real you? Is this the real you here? Or is the rest of your life the real you? Or is, um, you know, when you're being a dad, the real you? Is it when you're, you know, working with teams or yada, yada, what you, when you're writing books, when you're uh, hanging out with friends, like, where's the real, which is the real you? And um, I would always say, you know, it's all me. It's all an expression of me. And I noticed that the fullest um, kind of expression of my true self like more from my essence is when I'm sharing in this kind of way, when I'm yeah. sharing here with you or when I'm, you know, at the front of the room working with, you know, uh, a group of people or a group of participants and um, getting to just be there fully and getting to kind of, I discover myself uh, as I'm discovering whatever it is we're talking about or whatever content or principles or distinctions that we're, we're um, kind of putting into the space, into the place. It's I'm, I'm learning and discovering who I am and um, about who I am. And um, like in the truest sense, in these kind of, kinds of conversations, I think it's why you and I often encourage people to speak up, uh, to speak truth as you see it and know it, Look, you may be wrong in what you're speaking. <laughs> you know, we can all have it that we have truth, 
you know, and we all know, okay, there's my truth, then there's your truth, then there's others' truths, and then there's the truth, and uh, we're lined up to the truth, or we're lined up to my, you know, I'm lined up to my subjective truth, and is that truth? Mm, maybe, maybe not, but I think that the, the act of expressing truth with a pure heart, like a, a pure intent of coming from a good place, you know, and wanting to be, be that good person, that even if you're missing the mark, at, you know, over time, you start getting, you, you start correcting course, because you also have a level of humility. I think, if, you know, if any of us are really committed to growing, um, you know, and of our heart of hearts, we're committed to growing and being, you know, the best version of ourselves and living true and living with morals and ethics and, and being a productive human being where we contribute to society and, mm. and civilization and humanity and to the physical environment and to our families and community and, and uh, friends. And when we're committed to that, there, is a there has to be a level of humility and I think in that level of humility, you correct course even when you're off course. Yes. And you, you kind of get lined up with truth, yeah. the truth. You think? Well, you, I will say to this that there is purpose in what we do. There's great purpose in what we do together and, and individually, but together we are for force multipliers. We, we amplify each other. And in that sense, there's a sort of stereotype um, that occurs in a truth stereo, if I could say that. And, mm. and, and it's, to me, it's sweeter. I mean, when I listen to our shows, which I always do, I actually hear things that I never heard when we were talking. I, I hear myself saying things. I hear you saying things that I never heard when we were having the conversation because it was just so spontaneous. And so I find that there's tremendous reward and greater purpose whenever two or more gather together because I have live a per, pretty, um, you know, I'm pretty quiet. I'm pretty to myself. I do mostly radio. I don't have much interaction with other people, honestly. And so for me to have these times with you, it's very, very important to me because, you know, this is my one-on-one -on -one with a kindred spirit. And this enlarges my life tremendously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Well, yeah. Yes, yeah, similar. It's like being in conversations like this that are explorations and, and inquiries mm -hmm. into, you know, what it is to be a human being, you know, what it is to grow, what it is to live in possibility and, uh, and in an expanding kind of way of life versus a contractive or contracting uh, kind of life. Um, it by nature, I think conversations and in the spoken word, there is evolution and creation, right? First, isn't that's um, was it Genesis of the Bible where you know first it was the, the dark, hmm. and then there was the word, and it's through word then came creation. Yes. Do I have that right? Yes. The order. Yep. And here there's like, you know, the dark is a, a blank canvas, perhaps. Maybe it's a fertile blank canvas, a fertile nothing. 
and in speaking into space here from, and with a, a positive intent, it um, allows for conversations that are expanding for you and I. And then for those listening, they have access to the kind of expanding uh, word, the mm -hmm. expanding conversation that is universal in each of us. Yeah. N not just you and I who's actually even speaking, but it lives in the listening as well. Yeah, I was watching something on Netflix about um, these physicists that are trying to understand how black holes work. And individually, they were giving their, uh, their observations and their science about it. And then they had a meeting. They all got together, including uh, before he passed away, Stephen Hawking. And it was so much different when all three of these different scientists were in the same setting together with their chalkboard. And they were, they were coming up with new equations, and they were clarifying each other's ideas and challenging each other's ideas. And so I do think that, you know, and I, I, I would only say I would wish that everybody that listens to this show could someday be together with us. That's what I want to say. That would be my wish, that we could all be together some, somewhere, somehow, and do this as a collective group of people. I think that would be so incredible. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing, right? When you get a group of people who are committed to something greater than ourselves, uh, committed to a possibility, living a possibility, bigger possibility, a new possibility for life. Um, when you bring, you know, there's something I just, I see like in human beings, like there is such a um, power that we're given in human beings, like a power to uh, create, a power to um, innovate and um, to make things of the miraculous happen, like a, mm. a true power of mind that we don't see a lot in society now and in people. There's been a dumbing down, but there's, you know, um, historically, you, you look at great human beings and the, the power of mind and spirit um, to accomplish just amazing things or overcome uh, difficulties and great struggle or great opposition. Or, there's just so much you know, his, in history that points to that. Um, and... But here's my point, when you get to your point, a group you know, of people, or you know, if people start accessing their own greatness, so to speak, or, so, or accessing something greater than themselves, their own calling, perhaps, and living true to that calling, and, uh, and to the, in alignment with their creator, there's, um, and you bring a, people together working towards something, rather than the division we're living in now. Like at some point, enough people have to agree and be committed to striving for something greater together that actually makes the difference. One yeah. human being at a time, but then collectively, uh, interactively, um, great things can happen in humanity and move mountains for the better, for the positive, for Absolutely. what's possible. Yeah. Um, 
But right now, it's like it's almost like their powers that be. I don't know if it's the communists in the background or who, but their powers that be that want human beings want us to bite, you know, tearing each other down and attacking each other and you know, sw- swinging mud and destroying each other's you know lives and businesses and reputations and you know the people who haven't been able to accomplish much because they don't really apply themselves or they just quit. They are stuck in victim mode and being a professional victim, what have you, but they're stuck in a place where, okay, they, they feed their, their, what's that saying? They're willing dupes or unwilling dupes. Mm. They're used by some greater forces that are dark forces, more evil forces that want to, they, they're used by those darker forces to tear down, um, you know, people that are doing good work in the world. Yeah, they, they and they tear down even people who are just trying to find themselves. Or te- you see, just youth being te- torn down all over the place, being dumbed down, being medicated, being um, just demoralized and diminished. And uh, there's so many forces at work right now that are tearing people down, and people are at each other's necks, tearing each other down. And it seems like there's got to be some bigger forces at work that are pulling the strings in the background um it i mean unless if it's just accidental and it's just default human condition maybe it's that but it is there's a lot of that and i I, just to point to the negative side the positive side is what you're saying you bring people together for a greater cause is really the antidote to healing society when those Mm -hmm. people when 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 people of like mind come together uh, it is a law of physics for every action. There is an equal and opposite reaction. So the action of coming together for some greater good creates a rippling effect in mm. the cosmos, in, in everything. And it, it starts with something small, like if you throw a pebble in a, in a pond. But man, when that pebble gets to the size of a giant boulder, it makes some serious waves and they don't see it's a psychic wave that they don't understand. It's a, it's a cosmic wave that they don't uh, comprehend. You know, the light shines Mm -hmm. through the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. And we are that light and every human being Mm -hmm. that comes into this world brings into this world, that light, the potential for, um, you know, being a light into the world. And so that's, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. everybody that gets what we're trying to do they're enlarging everything that we are doing too. They're, they're, there's a, a ripple effect is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, and you're saying that everyone's born with that capacity. Everybody's potentially born with it. And as you say, it's, uh, there, there are forces out there that are trying to oppress it, destroy it. You know, the, I've read somewhere that destruction is the devil's creation. He's trying to destroy what comes into this world to keep it and and this, by the way, was, you know, what the Passover was about, that, you know, they put the lamb's blood over the door to keep the spirit of death, you know, that angel of death from getting in and killing the firstborn. You are, in your own way, either a firstborn or a reborn. Some Something happens to you when you find the truth that sets you free. And so that's what you have to see, that we are all in that potential for finding the truth and having a brand new life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As Jesus said, be therefore transformed by the renewing yes. of your mind from within. Yeah, exactly. There's a transformation that's available at any time. It's never too late. 
You're never too old, not too young, not too failed uh, at, at whatever endeavors or as a person. You can always recover. You can always recover. But it takes something. It takes a real desire. And it also takes the willingness to take the flack because as you start growing and changing, people around you that are used to you being a part of their club, uh, whether that's being the victim or you may be a part of some group, you know, a therapy group or a coaching group or some community that's always working on themselves, always kind of fix themselves, always trying to be you know, the victim who's trying to work them. Well, when you actually start overcoming that stuff and growing beyond that group, that group isn't going to like it. Oh. They're going to want to pull you backwards <laughs> yeah. because you're a part of their club, but you also are holding When you start outgrowing them, you start holding up a mirror of what they could do, yeah. which is also overcome that victim status or yeah. that, um, you know, being attached to uh, learning, it, it, ongoing learning that is circular. Um, you know, it leads to a question we have that someone sent. Can I can I introduce? Yeah, that? let's I go into that perfect, question. It's um, a great question. Kind of entry into this question, and um, so her, here it is. I've heard you talk about success junkies and form junkies. I am convinced that I am a success junkie. I have a lot I have wanted to accomplish, but I have nothing to show for it over many years now. I'm wondering now at this point, if I've come, now that I've come to this realization, is, if, is it even possible for me to change? So for those of you who don't know, when I talk about like a form junkie, and in this case, it would apply to like success junkie, you're like someone who is addicted to the form of things. So addicted to learning, um, you know, taking all the seminars, reading all the books. Yeah, I just need another seminar. I just need another certification or I just need another training. I just need to read, you know, more books. I need to um, you know, study more, prepare more, learn more, get clear on more. Um, and yet you never really get down to the substance of something. You know, there's substance and then there's form or there's the substance of success, you could say, but the substance can only, this is what I'm saying here now, substance can only be acquired through the doing of something, actually building something, creating something, making mistakes, having, you know, um, the failures or the disconnects or the, you know, and you're learning by doing, which, you know, in the action of is where you actually develop the substance. It's also where you actually create the results. Uh, David, what say you? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is when when I was probably 12 years old, I decided I wanted to be a surfer. And one of the things that you have to face 
when you're going to learn how to surf is the wipeout. <laughs> if you want to be a surfer, you are going to wipe out. And in a way, what you have to do is you have to learn to embrace that part of it because you can't get better unless you fall off a bunch of times and figure out how to stand back up. So that's my first metaphor here. Embrace the wipeout because it's part of the experience of becoming a great surfer. I mean, if you watch great surfers, um, people like John John Florence, who is probably one of the best surfers in the world, this guy can go out on 15-foot waves that would crush the average surfer. And he makes it look easy, like almost like a ballet. It's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But you, you ask yourself, how do these guys get out there and how do they develop the relationship with the wave? And what it is is that they, they have lost their fear. They've lost their fear of being destroyed by that wave. And because 99.9% .9 of the time you're going to pop up, you're still going to have your board with you and you're going to go up, paddle back out. You're going to catch another wave. And, you know, the, the better you get, the, the more you are able to navigate your own mind, your own and the fear that's there about what you're about to face. Each time you do that, you can overcome a little bit of what it is that's daunting you. Okay. Now, the second part of the equation for uh, a person who is a success junkie is that in the back of, in the background, way back in the back of the mind, there's this tremendous, in my opinion, a fear of failure. And fear of failure is the basis of all failure. And so you can be in love with an idea, just like sometimes people are in love with a, a, an idea of another person. And, and the question is, do they really love that person or do they love the idea of that person? I got to tell you, most relationships end in failure because it's more of the love of being in love, of the idea of being in love than it is actually having love because love requires a whole lot of character in the person who's doing the loving. Patience, understanding, long-suffering. There's a lot involved in being in love with somebody. Because and you're it's, loving someone who's imperfect. Well, everybody's and imperfect. They're pushing your, your, they're pushing your buttons. They're going they to. They are doing things they shouldn't be doing or yeah. acting or reacting to you in ways they should not be reacting. Yeah. And if you're really of love and coming from love, yeah, when you say the, use the word patience, there's a, there's a, a kind of um, allowing for all of it the good, the bad, the ugly, if it's really of love. If it's not really of love, then, or you're not really of love and for love in that relationship, then it's um, pretty quickly going to all be thrown out the window. Yeah, you're in love with the idea of love <laughs> until the other person misbehaves or they do something they should not have done or they didn't do something they should have done. And then pretty soon, the axe, you drop the axe on it. Yeah, love goes out the window because if they would only change, then we could have love. But they're doing all that. So love goes out the window. And, mm -hmm. and you know, oftentimes people call, they use the wrong words for the thing that they're describing. In other words, let's talk about love. If love is selfless, it's closer to what love really is. But if love is selfish, 
it's further away from what love is. And so the selfish love, and and it's the same with success. If you want success, you're going to have a relationship with whatever it is that you want to succeed at. It's, it's a, it's almost like a marriage. Honestly, if you want to be successful at anything, it's almost a marriage, if not a marriage. Now, some relationships are untenable. And so some relationships, you get to a point and you say, this is not going anywhere. Okay. And it will never go anywhere as far as I can tell. But then you don't know if you're only looking at it from the, through the lens of, well, how is it only affecting me? Because you are also a part of that relationship that is affecting another person. When you have a commitment to success, it is like a marriage. And then what you do is you know that there are a lot of obstacles that have to be overcome and they have to be worked through. The only people that actually succeed are those people who refuse to quit. And if you refuse to quit, you cannot fail. But worrying about failure, fearing failure is already failure. I mean, it's very good. It's it's what you're saying is it's very good. It's um, clear to me that failure stops people uh, from doing or trying, and um, therefore you default into being a success junkie. You. Go to all the, you the, you know, how many groups of, you know, are you involved with? And you go to all the seminars and you go to all the, you know, the, the gatherings of, um, successful people and you're, you know, and you just, oh, I just need to join one more. And then, and you're constantly in this learning and that, but it, but it, it's not learn applied learning it's 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 arm's length learning it's uh cons- it, and it lives in a world of concepts so it's conceptual theoretical um you know it's it's a little bit like to me i, I something i point to often is how there are a lot of people doing coaching nowadays who shouldn't be doing coaching because they haven't built anything they haven't done it they haven't uh, achieved it themselves, but they're going to coach people on how to build something, how to build a company, or how to build teams. Or how... they haven't done it themselves. They're just consultants. They've become very good at you know running a consultant business, or they're a coach, and they're co- success coaches. <laughs> but they haven't built shit. You know, they haven't built anything actually. So. It's very interesting. Now, I get it. You you know, you look in, at the NFL or you look at the NBA football or basketball or almost any sport where you'll have a coach um, who isn't doing the sport, let's say, but they're coaching the athlete. But those, those coaches, you know, I, I was on the um, Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff for about five years and I I learned I learned so much about teaching more than anywhere on the planet. I learned about teaching, watching those coaches. Like um, a coach like John Gruden is this one coach who went on to become a head coach of a lot of teams. And but watching him and I worked. I was 
an assistant coach to him. So he was like one of my bosses. And every day I'd watch that guy coach. But one thing, he had such mastery of the game. He had mastery of the nuance, meaning if he told his quarterback, you need to just see, you need to just shift your vision like one eighth of an inch. You need to, you know, develop your arm. And every time you be consistent, it was very nuanced. It was very, the coaching's very micro. It was very in the details. And the only way you can get really in the details is when those coaches, they're standing in the trenches. They're on the field with those athletes. They're literally, literally their, their arms and legs and an extra set of eyes. But they literally see, they're almost like they see what the athlete sees. Mm-hmm. And then and they understand what the athlete's doing exactly, but then they can also give them a little micro shift. But my point is this, those kind of, the level of coaches that really understand it, they've got tens of thousands of hours on the court, on the field, in the trenches of running businesses or building businesses or teams or whatever. If you're a yoga teacher, uh, nothing replaces, I would always say this at my trainings, I'd say, look, the only thing that really develops a, a good a good to great teacher is showing up and teaching you and you need basic mm-hmm. principles basic method methodology um and 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 you and, and you just keep showing up and about you know f- a thousand classes in you start getting pretty competent and like what you were speaking to about building confidence uh you know when you say overcome fear well, sometimes you don't overcome all the fear, but what you do is you build co- a kind of confidence and a kind of courage that whether fear's there or not, it, it, it'll, it'll take the steps. It'll do the things. It will show up and uh, deliver something, but it, it's the experience of doing it. You have a lot of people in yoga, these yoga trainings like I used in leading a level one training, I'd always come up against people who, okay, they've done so many trainings and they've got all this knowledge uh, (laughs) and it's useless. They can't teach their way out of a wet paper bag. Um, And then you get these newer people. If you just give them the essential tools, the essential methods, essential sequence, okay, this movement to this movement to this movement, and they and they follow those directions and they deliver it, um, and then they and they deliver it successfully, but they keep do delivering it over and over and over and over again. And a, a, you know, a hundred classes in, they are much more competent and skillful and confident than they were at fifty classes in and or ten classes in. And then when you're about five hundred classes in, you're a whole new up level from when you were about. 100 classes in and then you know and you keep accumulating the hours of just leading and repetition is the mother of mastery and repetition is the mother of creativity and you start developing your voice and your full self-expression and pretty soon it's just like breathing air it's like teaching to me teaching yoga a yoga class is like i could teach one of the best most amazing experiences on the planet but it's not because i'm 
thinking about it or applying knowledge. I mean, it's a working knowledge, I guess, is my point. It's like, it's, it's like breathing at a certain point. I was watching on uh, Fox the other night, a new show called Recruit, I believe it is. And they take these celebrities and they put them in through like a, a boot camp, like a real military type boot camp. And if you look at the tasks they're given, they're basic, very fundamental tasks. Uh, one of which is to sit in a, uh, a submerged car because that's part of what you know they have to train for, for 20 seconds. Now, you would think that that would be a task that pretty much anybody could do, but here's the problem. These celebrities have lived very cushy lives. They've had it very easy. They've been put up on pedestals by a lot of people. They've been made to feel that they're somebody that they really aren't. And when it comes right down to it, when they're in that environment, they're also dealing with people, the, the uh, trainers, the guys that are involved in you know, putting them through their paces. These guys are really, they're steeped in the military culture and they will not put up with any nonsense from anybody. And they get yelled at, these celebrities. I'm talking about people that you've, you've seen on television and singers and all these people that are very um, sensitive type people. And just the idea that they get yelled at for making a mistake or doing something wrong, a bunch of them just got up. Like, for example, Britney Spears' uh, sister was one of the recruits. She lasted, I think, one or two days. Uh, just a few little things, and it just set her off, and she wasn't able to deal with it. And what I'm saying the reason why I'm bringing this up is because put yourself in a situation in which life is not that easy. See, if you want to be a success, if you really want success, by the way, success is not for everybody. It just isn't. Some people are better off just having a day-to-day -day job, washing dishes or, you know, in a, in a production line, wherever it is. And for them, that's about as far as they want to go towards success, which is, okay, I got through the day today. You go to the bar and, after and, and have a beer. And that could be its own kind of success. And it can be. It can be. Mm -hmm. But at the mm -hmm. same time, when we're talking about a, a person, the person that wrote this letter, if he really wants success, it's the hard parts that matter the most. See, well, it's not that... I think the, you'll, you'll only discover if you actually even want what you say you want by doing That's right. it. Exactly. <laughs> Cuz you may get in it and realize, wow, this uh this is hard and this is like struggle and this is uh every day dealing with uh difficult things and being confronted uh about your work style or the way you show up or your communication or your ethics or your uh, ability to perform or get things done and and then dealing with difficult people or people that aren't difficult but you're difficult and they're just a mirror for you and you don't like it and you may realize that like okay I like the idea of success but the actual accomplishing of it hmm this Maybe I'm not wired for it. And maybe I'm also kind of collapsing into what it is to be an entrepreneur um, as well, you know, as we're kind of speaking through this. But I think to get to the, the answer to this question, you know, there's something about learning from failure. But um, mm. I want to say this, too. There's something. It is a fear of failure that would stop someone. But I, I think it's more than that. I actually think it's it's the fear of 
fail, failure in the eyes of others, in the eyes of people. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's the bigger fear and concern that stops people. Yeah, they're concerned about failing for themselves. You have to live with that. But I think the bigger fear that stops people is the fear of failing in the eyes of others and what others will see you as. They will yeah. see you as loser or failure. They'll see you as not competent or not capable. They'll see you as foolish. They'll see you as stupid. At least we think that, that that's how they will see us. And, and by the way, a, a lot will. <laughs> If you well, fail, I, you know, people are going to use it against you. They're going to yeah. judge you because it's just what human beings do. And then other people are going to like, look, you're going to learn who your real friends are or people or your real teammates are the ones that really have your back. And they, when you fall and trip and, you know, they're going to reach a hand, give you a hand and help you up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're going to have those when you fall and trip, they're going to spit on you and they're going to put you down and they're going to hum try and humiliate you publicly and cancel you and stomp up and try to, you know, stomp on your name or pour salt on your uh, reputation, you know, all of that. But I think that, look, the opportunity here, when you confront that fear, when you confront that fear of having to look good, even if it means, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to keep learning more about how to be successful uh, because the actual doing of it is risky. Um, but when you actually take the risk and you stick your neck out and you wear all your failures or mishaps, you wear it all on your sleeve and come what may, you actually have to confront the fear in there of what people think of you. And you actually right there, you have to dig deeper and you actually have the opportunity to really grow and really shift. Yeah, look, f fear is a very um, primordial instinct in human beings. And I, I don't want to diminish the idea that, you know, people can naturally be afraid, but at the same time, you have to embrace the challenge. If you, if you want to be successful, there's always going to be a challenge involved. And mm -hmm. that's what you have to deal with more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Not looking good at, in the eyes of other people, not looking bad, but mm -hmm. how far are you willing to go to embrace the challenge and deal with it on a daily basis? Listen, I produced um, talk radio for most of my life. And every single day, it's like building a, a new home. You have to mm -hmm. build on new ideas every single day. It's not easy, but mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. do it if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. Very good, David. Thank you. Thank you all for uh, sending in your questions. Please send in your questions. You can um, send them to uh, disruptingthedrift at baronbaptiste.com. You can um, support us by sharing the show. If you got any kind of value from the show, if the show shifted your thinking or made you think a little bit bigger or different or gave you some perspective or anything, uh, pay it forward and uh, share it with people in your life, uh, however you want to do that. But we appreciate it when you share the show. It supports what we're up to, and it's actually good for you to do that. Sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you, as always. So good to be here with you, my friend. Great conversation. Yeah. All right. Be well. Until next time.